writer of Proverbs says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, you may go through times in your life when you feel like God's silent. You pray and and you ask God to, to be in a situation and you feel like those prayers just aren't being heard. You know, and in those moments, I, I want you to be assured that God has a purpose, that God's not far away, that, that God's present in the situation, that God hears your prayers, even in the delays, even in the detours in life, even those times when God says no, that, that we've got to trust that God has a purpose because his ways are higher than your ways. His plans are greater than your plans. They, you don't have to understand his plans in order to trust his purpose in those. They, God is always working in your life, but you've got to trust God's timing in that situation. Now, I will be honest with you. Sometimes I look at the world and things that happen and I go, why'd that happen? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, why, why is there so much pain in this world? Why is, why is there injustice? Why is there chaos? And I just don't get it. And in fact, I'm sure right now that most of you are zeroing in on something. You know, something that either happened to you or maybe happened to someone that you love. And it left you kind of feeling disillusioned you know, hurt, wondering why, why? And let, let's just be honest. There are times when you feel like God's very, very close and very near to you. But there are also times when you feel like God is really far away. You feel like you're alone in, in this life. Some of you may feel that way today, you know, we're, we're starting this series, uh, Beyond Words, and we're looking at some of the words of Jesus when he was dying on the cross. I, I believe they're profound words. They're powerful words. They're, they're words that oftentimes we don't really grasp fully their meaning. They're, they're, they're words that have a much deeper, uh, greater uh, implications in our life. In fact, they're words that are allusion to a, a new reality they're words that really are beyond words. You know, so today we're looking at Jesus' life. It, it's the last hours of his life. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying for the, the sins of the world. And Scripture says this, From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. It, it, I want you to picture this. It's midday. It should have been light outside, but it's dark. You know, something significant is happening. It is, it's kind of a cue to, to the world. You know, Jesus is enduring the cross. He's atoning for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. And God withdrew his presence. And the result was darkness in this world. Scripture goes on, it says, about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli. Lama, sabachthani, that is my God, my God, 
why have you forsaken me? You know, Jesus, he's been obedient to, to God. He's surrendered himself fully to God in prayer. We know he said, not my will, but your will, God. He's endured the, the trials in his life. He, he's faced a, a very unjust conviction. He's been physically beaten, verbally abused. And what I notice is never once through all that pain did Jesus complain about anything. But then God withdraws his presence, the land goes dark, and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out in agony. You know, I can't take this. I I don't understand this. You know, why, God? Why? You know, throughout the the Gospels, Jesus, his connection to to God is very significant. He he calls him Father, uh, Abba, which is really Daddy. But at this moment, it's a dark moment in his life, maybe the, the darkest in history, And he says, my God, my God, why? Why? Might be one of the saddest verses in Scripture when when you look at what what is taking place in that moment. It's definitely one of the most confusing. You know, theologians have struggled with this verse for centuries. They, you know, have written and and tried tried to figure it out. And basically, why it's so confusing is how can God that's in the human form, and God and heaven. How can the God of heaven forsake the God in this world, Jesus? It's a a challenging question. You know, it's one, I'll be honest, I don't fully understand. You know, I think surely, surely Jesus knew what was happening in that moment. Surely Jesus knew what was coming, didn't he? But then even when you know something's going to happen, it doesn't mean you're fully prepared for it, does it? Or, or that you know how it's going to feel in that moment because really it's beyond words in life. You know, some of you, some of you are dealing with a difficult situation. You know, for some of you, things are very dark right now. Some of you are, are wrestling and, and struggling and kind of reeling in your life. You're disillusioned. And you're asking that question, why? Why? And I know that well-meaning Christ followers many times will offer very simple uh, answers or explanations for very complicated situations. They, in other words, they'll try and explain why something's happening, why you're going through a hard time in your life. And I was thinking about the different things people, people will say, Christians will say, well, it's because of some sin in your life. That, that's why this is happening. You know, some will suggest, well, you know, if you had a little more faith, this wouldn't be happening to you. Some point out, and they'll go, well, well it's, it's happening because Satan's attacking you. Or... And I think sometimes it's a catch-all for people. It's God's will that this happened. 
And I, I just want to go on record, kind of state up front. Just because a Christian tells you something does not mean it's true. All right? Now, having said that, understand that whatever the reason is that you find yourself where you are today, God will use it. You can take that one to the bank. You know, you study the life of Jesus And from the moment Jesus was born until the moment he dies, Jesus had a spiritual enemy, Satan. Satan was his enemy. And many times Satan would use people to kind of attack Jesus. You know, even as a baby, you know, he's hardly been on the planet. And God uses a guy named Herod, King Herod, has people seeking Jesus to kill him. You know, in Jesus' hometown, uh, he was noted as being a prophet without honor in his hometown. And one time, a a mob of people, they chase Jesus out of town. They chase him to a cliff, and they intend to throw him over the cliff. You know, they call him a heretic, a a fanatic. Some of them even suggested that maybe Jesus was demon-possessed because of what he was capable of doing. Jesus, because of the people he associated with, they call him drunkard, glutton. On this day, Jesus is falsely accused. He's being mocked by the crowd. He's stripped and, and he's tortured and beaten. He's nailed to the cross. He's being abused and never once... Did Jesus complain during that? You know, you read the the Gospels. Jesus doesn't even come close to complaining in his life. Never. No matter matter what's going on, there's nothing that resembles a complaint. But the world goes dark. His father looks away from him. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was thinking about it. It's easy to have faith, isn't it, when when things are going great in life? When the sun's shining, so to speak? But it is another thing to have faith when things are confusing, when they're painful, when they get really dark. When you become disillusioned, how do you how do you keep your faith? How do you keep your faith? You know, one of my one of my favorite stories, the Old Testament, uh, three Hebrew teens, they have this deep faith: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are amazing. One day they're standing before a very evil king, King Nebuchadnezzar. If you know the story, you know he built this giant statue of himself. It's 90 feet tall. That's big. And he demands that everybody fall down and worship the statue. But these three teens are like, yeah, that's, that's not happening. We're not doing this. We worship one God, the true God. And so the, the king kind of goes, well, if you want to live, you will bow down to this statue. And these boys are like, 
no, 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 not happening. We will not bow down. And the king says, I'll throw you in the furnace. I'll burn you alive if you don't. See, it's easy to have faith when things are safe, isn't it? When it doesn't cost you anything. When, when things are good. But it's something else when life turns on you. When, when the world gets dim. When darkness closes in, you know, around you. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? No matter what? You know, in the face of, of death, the, these three teens, they express what I believe some of the greatest uh, uh, words of faith in, in Scripture. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he'll deliver us from your majesty's hand. Here we go. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. God's presence filled those young men with confidence, strength, hope. And they were going to stand firm no matter how things turned out. Now, if you know the story, God did deliver them. But my question to you is, how deep is your faith when you're in the fires of life? You know, Christ followers, God is with you. God is for you, no matter what you're going through. You know, we, we have this idea in our lives that hopefully we understand God is always with us. We, we have no clue what it would be like to not have God's presence in our life. We have no idea what it would be like to have God turn his back on us because Scripture is very clear, God never will. And so we, we live with a reality of something that Jesus had to go through, though. You know, to live without the presence of God. Jesus cries out in that moment. My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And it's a question that I believe we all face in those dark moments. You know, why God? Why? There, there are some things I've been through in my life that I did not understand at the time that I went through them. There are things that I do not understand, all right? And I probably will never understand, at least this side of eternity, but I just got to trust God in that. My question is, do you trust God? Do you trust God? Look at the letters up here. On the count of three, I want you to yell out what you see. All right? One, two, three. Yeah. So I heard a lot of now here and nowhere. Now here, nowhere. I think it... For me, it illustrates the idea that 
we can all look at a situation and see two different perspectives in life. You know, some of you are in the middle of some loss or some pain. Some, some of you look at that situation and you think, you know, God appears to be nowhere in this. You know, God's nowhere near my, my situation. And some of you would look at the situation, and although you don't understand it and you're hurting and in pain, you recognize that God is now here. In fact, maybe closer than he's ever been. God's present in that situation. The only thing that Jesus needed to endure the physical pain of the cross, the emotional turmoil of the cross, was the presence of his Father. The only time Jesus complains was when God withdrew his presence because God couldn't look at sin anymore. Friends, when you look at your story, I want to suggest to you you only see part of it. You only see part of the story. And we tend to see our part of the story. But, but there's also God's perspective in your life and God's perspective in your story. And it, it's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than. This side of eternity, we only see part. In fact, I'm convinced when we get to the other side, we'll go, oh, there we go. That's why. That's why Paul writes, he writes these words, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I've been fully known. Friends, in the middle of the pain and the hurt and the chaos and the problems, I always have to remind myself, I only see part of the story. God, God looks at it and God sees it from beginning to end. God, God sees the whole picture. His ways are higher. His understanding is way better. His wisdom's infinitely greater than my perspective. You know, it's a little bit like a friend of mine, I think I've shared this before, but he took his two-year-old daughter to get her shots and uh, the, she's uh, really a daddy's girl, I mean, big time. And so while they're waiting, he's, he's talking to her, and they're laughing, and they're having a good time. And then the nurse gets the needle out. And uh, you have to know my buddy's scared to death of needles. And so he, at, at the point that he saw the needle come out, he did one of these, you know. He's like looking away. His daughter never saw it coming. The nurse gives, gives her the shot, and he said, when he turned back around, he, he looked at her, and Laura, he said, Laura's face was just blood red. And he said, she looked at me like, et tu brute, what have you done? Yeah. He said he could see fear, he could see the tears welling up, and then she let out a blood-curdling scream. And he said, I'll never forget. She goes, no, daddy. Why, daddy? Why, daddy? You know. And then he almost passed out at that point, he told me. 
And he said he tried to explain to her why. But he said her too little her little brain at that point just could not process or understand what, what had just happened. Jesus, his crucifixion, it's got all kinds of different perspectives when, when you think about it. Scripture, scripture says, says this, says, What shall we do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What, what crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted even, all the, the louder, crucify him. See, he got the crowd, and they got all whipped up about something, and they wanted Jesus crucified. And from their perspective, they, they wanted rid of a heretic. That's how they viewed Jesus. I was thinking the disciples, you know, they, they were in the crowd that day. They, they, they're looking at the situation. I, I got to think they're going, wait a minute. What is going on here? You know, we, le- we left everything to follow Jesus. We left our homes, left our families. You know, we gave up our possessions and our careers. This is not what we signed up for. This isn't how things are supposed to be. You know, was it all for nothing? And then Jesus, his perspective. I mean, his part of the story. Although he had surrendered himself fully, completely to God. He's dying on a cross. And he feels alone for the first time in his entire life. God's presence is removed from the situation, and that's why he cries out, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? And then we got God's perspective, all-knowing God. Even before Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, even before the fall of humanity, God had a plan in place. God loved the world so much. He loved you and me so much that he was willing to allow his only son to suffer and die for our sins. God knew that from the beginning that this day was going to happen. God saw the end in the beginning. God, his perspective is all-knowing. And so when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me here? Why? So why did God turn away? Well, first of all, God turned away because he can't look at sin. Can't even look upon sin. You know, Paul writes this. He says, God made him. He's talking about Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God is is holy, righteous. God hates sin. Sin's got to be judged. Jesus becomes sin. He, He dies in our place. And so God says, I can't, I can't look at that. Habakkuk, uh, he's talking to God. He says, 
your eyes are too pure to behold evil, and you can't look on wrongdoing. See, when Jesus became sin on the cross, he became every act of sin, every act of hatred, of murder, adultery, rape, jealousy, envy. He became every sin, past, present, and future. And in that moment, Jesus took all those sins on. He became that sin. And God turns away. That side of sin was unbearable in that moment. And I think we have a hard time understanding that. And, and here's why. See, I believe we downplay sin. Like, not a big deal, really. I mean, it's just sin. And that's part, that's part of Satan's strategy is to get us to lower our defenses, to, to blind us to the devastation that is caused by sin. To the point, we even laugh about sin sometimes. Friends, sin is destructive. It is ugly. Sin will alienate. It will condemn. And that's why when, when Isaiah, he sees the presence of God for the first time, he's in the temple, and he realizes he's in God's presence, and he says, woe to me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, one of the reasons that God turns away from Jesus in that moment is Jesus became sin, and God couldn't look. But the second reason that God turned away is so that we could be forgiven. So that you and I could understand just how much he loves us. You know, we cannot forget why Jesus died for sin. He died for you and me. I mean, God, God could have rescued Jesus. Do you understand that? I mean, he could have just pulled him down off the cross sent the angels, but God turns away so that sin, so that death, you know, so that hell, so that the, the grave could be defeated ultimately, so, so we could be forgiven, so we could spend eternity in heaven. You know, three days later, Jesus would walk out of that grave victoriously. I mean, salvation was won on the cross. Peter writes, he says, Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by his wounds that you've been healed. Jesus is dying on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why, why, why have you forsaken me? And I think God would have answered back. I had to because of love. 
some of you today are asking why in your life. I mean, some of you are hurting. Some of you do not understand. I would challenge you today to never forget, never forget God's perspective on things. I heard a story years ago about a guy that was a drawbridge keeper. And he had a young son that idolized him. And so one day he took him to work with him. And he's kind of showing his son what he does every day. And he would raise the drawbridge so that the, the boats could pass through. And then he'd lower the drawbridge so the train could pass over. And the kid, you know, as kids are, they're loving it and enjoying it. But at some point, dad didn't realize, but he wanders off. Dad can hear a train coming. So he starts looking for his son. Starts calling out for his son, where are you? You know, where are you? And, and finally, his son responds. He says, you know, I'm here, Daddy. I'm over here. The dad looks, and he realizes at this point that his son's on the tracks near the bridge. And he can't get to him. The dad realizes he's got to make a choice. You know, what am I going to do here? You know, it's a choice no dad should have to make. Pull the switch, and he puts his son in extreme danger. Or not pull the switch and watch hundreds of people fall to their certain death. The dad makes a sacrificial decision, and he pulls the switch. And then sure enough, his son's trapped. And he cries out. But it is too late. And the dad said he turned away. Couldn't watch. And his son's killed instantly. That dad, and this is the darkest hour, moment, said he's watching the train as it's traveling. People are oblivious to what's just taken place. He said he could see him through the windows, you know. They're talking, they're resting, they're playing cards, they're sipping on their coffee. This father's just sacrificed his son, and the people that he saved are totally unaware. Friends, can you imagine how God must feel you know, when we live our lives oblivious, without gratitude, dismiss the sacrifice. Eh, yeah, Jesus died. Yeah, okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those are, that's beyond words there. That's amazing. Those words just echo the implications of those words. It's too hard to comprehend. You know, Jesus Christ, my God, my God, why, 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 why have you forsaken me? 
Hebrew writer says this. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. See, for a moment, God turned away. Turned away from Jesus. And he did that so he'd never have to turn away ever again. Hebrew writer says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anybody do to me? Some of you are in pain, hurting, struggling. Some, some of you, you're going through something and it just does not make sense. You only see part. You only see part. Some of you are frustrated, maybe angry. Some of you are thinking that God is nowhere and you feel abandoned. And you may think you're alone. You may think God's nowhere. But I can say with absolute confidence, hear this. God is now here. God is with you. God will never forsake you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, friends, for you and me, we're never alone. God is always in the midst of whatever's going on in our life. And I think that's good news that we celebrate. It's good news that we should share with a hurt and confused and broken world. It's more than just words, friends. It's life-changing stuff. It's life-changing stuff. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we know you are here. You're here in our midst. And God, I pray that we would recognize that great sacrifice that Jesus gave up his life. And that for a moment in time that you withdrew your presence so you'd never have to again. And God, I pray that those that feel alone right now, that your Holy Spirit would just whisper, I'm here, I'm in the midst, got a plan. I'll see you through this. God, help us to find courage. Help us to find strength. Help us to find hope. Knowing that you are in the midst. That you'll never give up on us. The better days are ahead. God, help us to stand in your spirit. May your Holy Spirit just overwhelm us and give us strength. God, I know there are many today that would stand, give testimony to your faithfulness. and God, we thank you for that. It didn't go unnoticed. We're thankful you were there. That you made a way. That you gave strength. Thank you for that hope. 
that Jesus instills in all of us. God, we thank you. And we lean on you this day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God's people said, let's stand and uh, worship together.